Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. All righty. Beautiful feet indeed. All right. Here we go. Who doesn't love a spring cold, huh? This is fantastic, right? So uh, I'm going to have to ask you to just get a little bit used to my voice here this morning. It's a little bit different than normal, maybe even preferable. We'll see. I'm kind of hoping that maybe the Holy Spirit does a thing like on Pentecost where he translated the preaching into the language that everybody could understand. I'm kind of hoping maybe the Holy Spirit does that same thing and you all hear me as Sean Connery. And um, so I'm just going to trust that that's what's going to happen this morning. Uh, here we are, just hanging out a little bit together this morning. We're continuing in our series looking at beautiful feet. How does God go about spreading his good news? How does he spread this good news that salvation has come to all people? He does so through his people. His people who are empowered by his spirit. And that's what the entire book of Acts is about. And that's, that's where we find ourselves in the story. We are a part of this story that God is writing through human history. Where he is going about his business of renewing all things and bringing his salvation to all nations. And you and I are the ones with beautiful feet who bring good news. Wherever we walk, wherever we go, whatever room we walk into, if we are people who have been marked by his grace and freed by his forgiveness, then we are people with beautiful feet. This is who we are. This is who we are. Not as individuals per se, but as a collective, as a, as a body, as a community that God is shaping Today, this is the work that God is doing. Let me pause and just pray for us. Father, uh, in what feels uh, kind of frustrating and weakness to me, God, I pray that you would reveal your strength today. And do that as only you can. A lot of us are coming in here with things in our hearts and our minds. And we pray that by your spirit, you would focus us that you would help us to, to set aside some of those things. They're important things. They're just really important things. Um, but help us to hear you today and to not have those important things cloud out what we're going to receive from you today. So you are here and we're grateful. We ask that you'd reveal your presence to us. That by the power of your spirit, you would give us eyes to see. That by the power of your spirit you would give us ears to hear, and that by the power of your spirit, you would make our hearts soft and um, pliable, ready to receive the good seed of your good word. Do a work in us today, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles, whether it's on your phone, a tablet. If you've got your paper Bible, that's great. If you want to reach into the pocket in front of you, you can grab a paper Bible out of the pocket of the seat in front of you or along the, along the ledge. But we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. 
beginning in verse 42. We're going to just read, it's a smaller section today. It's a little bit smaller section today, so we've been reading big sections uh, together, so some of you get a little bit of a break here today. Beginning in verse 42. Luke writes this for us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. We've just witnessed this spectacular movement of God's spirit on the day of Pentecost. The question for us becomes, how does, that, how does that continue to burn? Like every fire needs fuel. Uh, many of us here are, are married. We've been married for a different number of years. Um, Tabang, how long have you and Noma been married? Uh, I think 17. 17 years, all right, that's fantastic. This is great. Uh, Wakemans, how long have you guys been married? Seven years, all right. Now, you look like you didn't remember, or were you just going to test him? Just a test. I understand that. Yeah, f- fair enough, fair enough. Ferreras, how long? 16, excellent, excellent. Um, Borbos, how long have you been married? 65 years. 65 years? Woohoo! There we go. And Bill, how about you and Charlotte? Only 56. Only 56. Right? A couple of kids on the block. One of the things I'm guessing that you've learned about marriage, so I've been married, it'll be a little over 28 years. Right? So I'm kind of right in the middle of all these things. And one of the things that we learn about marriage, there's the, the wedding day, That's a fantastic celebration, right? Family and friends gathered around. There's the wedding day. But but the wedding day doesn't make a marriage. Now, there's not a marriage without the wedding day. But but a legacy is built in the day-in, day-out rhythms of marriage. A legacy is built and passed on to future generations in marriage through flu bugs and spring colds through school sports and teacher conferences. The legacy of a family is built in disappointment and forgiveness and grace. Legacy of family is built in the daily rhythms of our lives together. That's what builds legacy in family. And I would say the same is true when it comes to us being the family of God. This family started in spectacular fashion, gathered quietly in an upper room. A bunch of them were waiting. And then God, in his timing, sends fire. 
that touches each of them. And they speak in these different languages and a crowd is gathered. And we're told 3,000 were added to their number that day. How spectacular is that? Can you imagine having been witnesses of that event, the fire falling? And what can happen is we will experience significant moments in our spiritual lives. It might be the moment that we wake up to God's grace, confessing our sin and repentance and experiencing forgiveness and newness of life as the spirit settles in us. We're like, oh, this is spectacular. It's amazing. And then we can spend a lot of our life looking to recreate that. God, when is the fire going to fall again? God, when, when do we get the, the cool stuff again? But one of the things that Luke is drawing us into is right out of the stories of the spectacular come this, this little section here that reminds us that, that, that the church, this new thing that God is doing, this new body that God is creating is being formed and shaped, yes, by the moments of spectacular, but it is building a strong foundation. It is giving fuel to the fire in its daily rhythms, in what might even be mundane or boring. As we think about our churches, we've maybe moved around either in our own community or we've moved to different parts of the, the country where we have to find a church. And, and, and we're drawn to spectacular. We're drawn to um, uh, powerful. And while there are moments that we as a church experience his power, there might be moments that we even say, it seems like the fire has touched down. The fuel for this fire, the thing that allows it to burn and to continue to burn are the daily rhythms that we live as a people, as a new people, as a resurrection people. This is where the fuel burns hot. Every fire needs fuel, right? If you were just to go out and take some a little cup of gas and sprinkle it in your fire ring, you'd get a moment of something fairly spectacular. My wife hates it when I use gasoline as an accelerant. One year she said it even shook the windows a little bit. Like, I think you're just being a little bit dramatic because there's something pretty fun about the whoosh that comes, right? But if all you got is the, the whoosh, the, a campfire you do not have. And it's, the whoosh isn't very helpful for uh, cooking hot dogs and roasting s'mores. The woof isn't very helpful in keeping warm on a cold fall day. No, the woof is good for singeing eyebrows, but that's about it. The campfire's got to be built. And we may have different philosophies of how to build the campfire. Some of you are teepee people. You're like, the only way to build a campfire is a teepee. So you put your things here and you lean them in just right. Don't mess with the teepee. Others of you are log cabin people. And so you make your square and you stack them and you put your kindling in the middle. That's, that's where the gasoline goes. <laughs> right, so we might, we might have different thoughts about how to build the fire. But the fact of the matter is we need the logs. Otherwise we just get woofed, sin-singed eyebrows. All right, And so what Luke is leading us into in this passage, it might seem unspectacular for us, 
But it is oh so important because this is how we, we build the campfire. This is how we live in the sustained work of God's spirit in our midst. This is how all of us get to participate in the movement of God as he spreads his salvation to all people. This is how we get to build the fire. This is what the fuel for the fire looks like. The fire of God's spirit burns in the everyday rhythms. Listen, the the fire of God's spirit burns in the everyday rhythms of his people living in community together. And so if you ever find yourself asking, God, when is the fire going to fall again? Listen, the fire of God's spirit burns in the everyday rhythms of his people living in community together. And so he lays out for us what this looks like. For some of you, you visited this passage over and over. You've been a part of church leadership where we've looked to to shape our rhythms together by these things. For others of you, this might be very new and something that God is drawing you into. But let's all pay attention. Let's all have uh, hearts that are ready to receive. That we might become, that center point church, that we might become a body where the fire of God's spirit burns in the everyday rhythms of our life together. So the first thing he talks about here in verse 42, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There's a couple things going on here, just even in that phrase. One uh, this is reflection of what Jesus said that they were supposed to do. Remember when he was giving what we call the Great Commission in Matthew uh, chapter 28. Jesus is about to leave. He gives this commission to go and make disciples of all nations. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what? Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded, Jesus says. And so here's the apostles doing what they were told by Jesus to do. Had 3,000 added to their number daily. They were all baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And now they were teaching them to obey everything that Jesus had commanded them. So, So the apostles were walking in obedience. They had been given this commission to teach those who would join them. Were given a, a sense of what it is that they were teaching they weren't in the corner wringing their hands of like, what lesson plans should we come up with? They, they knew what they were doing, everything that Jesus had handed down. So things like the, um, the Sermon on the Mount were things that they were teaching. They were teaching what Jesus had taught them. You remember even after the resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days with them explaining to them what the kingdom of heaven looks like, what the kingdom of God looks like when it arrives. And he took the scriptures and he unpacked the scriptures for them, the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament. He unpacked these things because they were understanding that these scriptures were leading somewhere. These scriptures were doing something. They were, they were forming and shaping something. And so the apostles were teaching that which they had received from Jesus. It also reflects this whole notion of they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It tells us that as they came into this new community, they came with hearts that were humble and teachable. 
They came with hearts that were humble and teachable. You'll notice this is one of the ways that we pray together as we open up God's word. That by God's spirit, he would open our eyes to see. That by God's spirit, he would open our ears to hear. And that by God's spirit, he would make our stubborn hearts soft. Jesus talked about uh, the parable of the soils where good seed fell, fell on all kinds of soil, but it was the good seed on the good soil that produced fruit. And we want to be people that produce fruit. And the determining characteristic of if we will be people who will produce good fruit is if our hearts are good soil, pliable, humble, teachable. I look at some of you who've been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive. Diane, I see this in you. You are humble and teachable. You approach the scriptures eager to learn something new. Candy, I see you. You've been walking with Jesus for decades and you come with a humble spirit. Bill and Charlotte, Art and Irene, I see you leading the way for us in this humble spirit that you bring. It's this humble, teachable heart. To devote oneself to the apostles' teaching is to come with humility. And it recognizes that we must learn things. We must learn things. One of the things that I loved about my son Levi when he was a little guy, uh, he would learn something new. And when you're a little guy, you're always learning something new. And so he would ask a question and we would talk about this and he would get new information. And he would follow that up by saying, I did not know that. It was just the cutest little thing. It was so fantastic. Like I loved it. I did not know that. I'm not going to talk about the teenage years, but there was a day when he was teaching me what humility was like, oh, how long has it been since I approached like that? I did not know that. We, we as adults, we have this sense that if we don't know it, it's a, it's a mark against us. Like we've got to show up with all the answers. That's not what's going on here. This fuel for the fire comes through a heart that is soft, a heart that is pliable, a heart that is teachable. And this teaching is anchored in the scriptures. When we look at the, the scriptures that we have recorded for us, they had the, the apostles teaching in person. Like they heard Peter directly. They heard James directly. They heard these things. How, how fantastic is that? We have their teachings recorded for us. The New Testament is a written deposit of apostolic teaching. And brought into what we call the Bible, this whole thing from beginning to end is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. Let that settle in for just a moment. The whole Bible is a unified story. It's not a conglomeration. It's a unified story. Where does the story go? It goes to Jesus. It's a unified story that leads us to Jesus and it leads us to life with him, which is wisdom. Which is wisdom. If you seek wisdom, the Bible has this not because it's a a rudimentary answer book. Sometimes we'll approach scripture. Um, maybe you've heard this, uh, B-I-B-L-E. Um, it's the uh, basic instructions before leaving earth is what Bible means. It, it doesn't. 
I'm just saying, you've heard, maybe you've heard these things. And so we try to overly simplify this. We speak of it as instruction manuals and basic instructions before leaving earth. That's not what scripture is intended to do. It's this unified story that leads to Christ. And in it, as we will search it, as we will wrestle with it, as it comes to us, contextualized, comes to us. The Hebrew scriptures, Christianity was a, a Jewish sect as the apostles were teaching this new way of living. It births wisdom in us. What is wisdom? Wisdom is walking with the Lord. That's what we're created for. Genesis 1 and 2. That's what wisdom looks like. But in our day, we continue to do what? Just like Genesis 3. We see that which is desirable for the eyes and we take it for ourselves. We take wisdom for ourselves apart from God. And that's the essence of sin. That we would be proud and arrogant and say, I want to do this on my own. Dad, you can just watch from the sidelines. The apostles are drawing them into this reality of what life with the Lord, what life with Jesus looks like from beginning to end drawing that out. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They also gave themselves to fellowship. They gave themselves to fellowship. The word there is koinonia. It's not just about relationship. Like, yep, we got relationship. That's the church that I go to on Sunday. Yep, we got relationship. It's drawing us into something more profound. It's a, a relationship of sharing. It's a relationship of interdependence. And it's to share with someone above and beyond the relationship itself. Again, it's the spirit of interdependence. Luke highlights it for us again down in verses uh, 44 and 45. Listen. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were building and, and experiencing this common life. That's a little note to make in the margins of your Bible. What, what's being pictured here is common life. There was a common life together. And this is so counterculture for us because we are, we are built in a culture that says I'm an isolated individual. And, 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 and that is a part of what is true. Like, like Matt is somebody, Matt has an identity. Matt has um, preferences and dislikes. Like there, there is a space where I am an individual, but in our culture, we overplay the individual to the neglect of the communal. Other cultures will wrestle with other things. Other cultures have such a strong sense of the communal that they have to grapple with the individual, right? But that's not ours. So our context is we get the individual. I got mine, me and Jesus, we're hanging out. We're good to go. It's captured in the question that my uncle, who used to like to antagonize me, um, he was kind of figuring out his own journey of faith, and he would often throw out there, well, can I be a Christian if I'm alone on a desert island? Right? That was his big hypothetical. Like, well, are you alone on a desert island? Well, no. All right, then, then be a part of a church. <laughs> if you find yourself alone on a desert island, let me know, and we'll talk about it more then. Because he's he was he was so hyper focused on the individual, like I'm right with God, I'm fine, I don't need all this other rigmarole. 
And God has wired, listen folks, God has wired us, listen, 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 God has wired us, he has hardwired it into the very fabric of what he is doing that we are we, not just me. Our common life is not just a peripheral, maybe someday we get to it. It's, it's fuel for the fire. It's one of the logs that he builds the fire with. The apostolic teaching, yes, but communal. And, and, and those things are actually linked for us. Scripture is intended to be engaged in community together. Yes, we have our quiet times. Yes, we have our private reading rhythms and those kinds of things. But it's designed to be done together, to be wrestled with together, to be understood together, to be determined. How do we take these logs and build the fire? Are we teepee people or are we log cabin people? Or are we even just the worst of all of them, the haphazard, let's see what happens people? We're being given the fuel for the fire and an important component of this is the common life together. This common life that is built around Jesus. He is the one that's at the center. Not our preferences, not our likes and dislikes, but Jesus himself, King Jesus, Jesus Messiah and Lord. That's what Peter affirmed in his speech just before this. Jesus is the one that binds us together. He is the center and head of this new community. We see expressed here as we go on, this common life together is expressed in public worship and in smaller house gatherings. They met every day in the temple courts and they also gathered in homes together. We as a church don't do group life just because it's the latest thing that church teaching says you should do. It's there's actually a biblical rhythm to not only in these gatherings, but actually to huddle up around our homes. It's a different vibe. It's a different rhythm. It's a different feel, isn't it? And their common life was expressed in both of those things. And their common life together was also a sign of the new thing that has begun. Their common life together was a sign of the new thing that has begun. You look particularly at their abundance. As God's salvation spreads to all people, where Jesus is king, everybody has enough and nobody has too much. And so one of the things that they did is they they held their possessions in common. That's pretty weird, right? That's just kind of a weird thing to think about. And, and it might play out differently here, but, but what would it look like if, if our common life was more important to us than the stuff that we hold? There would be a practice of generosity that would be pervasive. And I see that in so many of you. This beautiful generosity. As some of you come up and you say, hey, I've... I've got this that I want to give to somebody. I want to do it anonymously. Can you make sure that they get this? I saw their need. When you do those kinds of things, I see you living out the promise of this new thing that God is doing. And we serve together in our common life. We serve together as a 
sign that the new thing has begun. We live as resurrection people united together under the headship of Christ. It's this recreation process. God is shaping this community. Go back to Genesis, right? Everything that we're reading here actually goes back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Because God is renewing something. It ought to draw our pictures back into this place of Eden. And it was a place of incredible abundance. God said, look at all of this. All of this is yours. Just don't eat from this one tree. But all of this abundance is yours. So we look at abundance. What else did God say in his creative process? He uh, created man out of dust. Explains why men tend to be dirty, I guess. But they kind of created them out of dust. And then what happened? He breathed. So out of dust, out of creation. And then he breathed his spirit into him. What do we see here? Humanity. The spirit of God breathed onto each of them. We're seeing this recreation story unfold in front of us. And then what did God say? He looked around and he said, it is not like out of all creation, the only thing that made God say, whoa, whoa, wait, time out. This is not good. The only thing that wasn't good was when he saw the man was by himself. It is not good that man is alone. And so he made it a completer. He completed the picture of humanity. And there was woman. Man and woman, together with God. This completed picture of of community. And together they were to grow and multiply. The community was to grow. And so when we live in a common life, we're bearing witness that God's new thing has begun. That God looks over creation and says, it is not good for mankind to be alone. It is not good for men to be alone, for women to be alone. And in our world, in our culture, isolation and aloneness is at pandemic proportions. Never before seen in our collective history. And God says it isn't good. And I make a new people that no one would have to walk alone. They gave themselves to fellowship. They gave themselves to breaking bread. It wasn't that they gave themselves to baking bread. It was breaking bread. And sometimes what we've done is we've taken this and we said when we break bread, what we're talking about is communion. And um, that didn't become a metaphor for communion until probably at least 100 years later. And so when Luke is talking to us about they gave themselves to breaking bread, it was, um, they, they were intentionally sharing fellowship meal together. I mean, there's something special when meals happen together. You know, when we share a meal with somebody, it breaks down barriers. We eat with people, Right? Like, just the act of eating together does something good. In fact, later, the Apostle Paul, he's not in the story yet, but we'll get to the Apostle Paul. In a different writing of his, he actually chastises the early Christians because when they gather together in their home, some begin eating right away and they eat all the good stuff so that by the time others show up, and it was usually like the working class or even the slaves that showed up late, they had nothing left. He says, it's a shame. You, you, you're supposed to eat together. So a shared meal breaks down economic barriers. A shared meal breaks down ethnic barriers. A shared meal is a way that they experience this communal life together. Sharing food. We try to create some of those opportunities, whether it's in a, a potluck lunch or just even today, 
getting to hang out with the Cheesemans. We're going to share a meal together. There are good things that happen and conversations that happen as we share meals together. And so this breaking of bread was this table fellowship and recognizing there's a power at work in table fellowship. When somebody's invited to your home or you meet somewhere and you break bread together, it's, it's the language of communal and being together. Now, woven into that, it very much was likely that it also included the Lord's Supper where they remembered the brokenness of Jesus and the, the sacrifice, the pouring out of his blood. Just like Jesus at the end of the meal broke bread and passed the cup. At the end of their meals, they likely would have broken the bread the body of Christ and shared that cup as a remembrance because they understood that they were a community bound not by the center of the table, but bound by Jesus who himself shared a meal with us. It was a tangible reminder that we are people anchored in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship in this common life together, to breaking bread And then the fourth element here is to prayer. Now the Greek actually has an article in front of it. Most of our translations just say prayer, but the direct translation would have been the prayers. The prayers. In other words, there were probably specific prayers that they prayed together. In our Christian tradition, we have a high value on spontaneous prayers. That's a lot of the reasons that a lot of you don't want to do it, right? Like, please don't ask me to pray, whether it's over a meal or... My goodness, if I were to say, hey, would you pray for us right now? You'd like, ah, you know, and because we've, we come from this tradition that, that values the spontaneous prayer, like I can't do that. I don't know what words to do. But there's something that, that's being alluded to here that there were prayers that, that were written, that were given, that were anchored. And there's something very formational about these kinds of prayers. You know, one of those uh, prayer books would have been the Psalms. The Jewish prayer book was the Psalms. And you look at all the, the tenderness and the heart that's expressed in the Psalms. When the disciples wanted to know how to pray, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray, and he gave them the Lord's Prayer. It's a, a prayer that can certainly just become uh, rote and meaningless, but as we approach it with richness, it's something that unites us. When there is a written prayer, when there's a common prayer, a Psalm or the Lord's Prayer, it unites us. We all get to pray it, together. And that does something. I mean, there are moments when um, I or others can lead us from the front in, in prayers, but there's something powerful and forming and shaping as we pray together. And one of the ways we do that is in united prayers, the prayers. As a matter of fact, let's just stop for a moment and do that. All right. The Lord's prayer is one that a lot of us are familiar with. Steph, I think we're good on, on slides for that, right? I'd kind of give it a last thing. Okay, Steph says we're good. So what we're going to do is we're together going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And we get to pray it together because the words are going to be up on the screen. All right? This is prayer together. So let's do that. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mm. There's such a richness 
in this prayer that's been handed down to us from Jesus himself, right? And then to be able to do that together, I know some of you might come from different traditions and trespasses and debts and the Matt throws sins in there. Like, like you can't do that. Right? But this is, we, we unify our hearts as we pray together. This is what's going on. This is part of their shared common life as the prayers together. As they prayed together, this is how they learned to pray together. And they recognized that they were heaven and earth people. That's what prayer does. Prayer is the space where heaven and earth come together. The earthiness of our weak, frail voices meeting the spirit of God who hears our prayers. Praying people are heaven and earth people. Praying community is heaven and earth people. There's a group that gathers on Sunday mornings. Look at what's happening for the details. And if you want to learn to pray, if you want to be a part of prayer, join us on Sunday mornings for prayer together. Gather around the table together in, in your homes and be people of prayer, heaven and earth people. For these are the things that happen, that, that come together to become fuel for the fire of God's spirit. And what is the fruit of this kind of movement of God? What is the fruit of this community? Look at verses 46 and 47. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Right, here's this public Oneness, they broke bread in their homes and ate together, listen to this, with glad and sincere hearts. They experienced the fire amongst them and it made their hearts glad. Glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What is the fruit of this kind of community? Praise to God. When we experience this beautiful good oneness, we see what only God can do as we pray for each other, as we submit ourselves in humility to the apostles' teaching, as we break bread and table fellowship, and as we enjoy this communal life, we see that God is doing what only God can do. We praise him for it. So one of the fruits is praise. One of the fruits is enjoying the favor of the people around them. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? They enjoyed the favor of the people around them. They were being so shaped and so formed that the people around them said, I don't know what this is, but it's good. You get a flavor of that around here. Centerpoint is known as a church that cares well for the, for the poor and the vulnerable in this community. Other community agencies send people here. They say, go there. There are people who will help you. There's something about this community that enjoys the favor of the people around us. And it enjoyed missional fruit every day. Somebody was deciding to join them, to give their life to Jesus, to take baptism, to join them in submitting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And again, churches take these logs and they'll assemble them in different ways. It will look different things in different contexts, but these logs are the building blocks of something good and powerful and strong. They're fuel for the fire. The fire of God's spirit burns in the everyday rhythms of his people coming together in these ways. Some of you are living that out in spectacular fashion. And some of you aren't. 
Think about these logs on the fire, these elements of fuel for the fire and allow the Lord to search your heart. Maybe there's a place of your own stubbornness. Maybe there's a place of idolatry. We become, we begin to worship our schedules, our busyness, our pace. And so we'll say, I don't have time for. And this isn't about trying to to try to hit the gas on church programming. But it's about holding out a vision of, of a place where God's fire touches down in the everyday rhythms of his people, filled by his spirit, who are called and empowered to bear witness to the death, resurrection, and enthronement of Jesus. As together our lives are shaped and formed in humble submission to him. So do you come looking for the apostles teaching, the teaching of scripture? Do you come with a humble heart or do you come with a stubbornness that says, I know. I know and I'm just looking for you to say it the way I want it to be said. Or do you come with a humble heart to the teaching of scripture? Do you come looking for an interdependent relationship and put yourself in a spot where that can be experienced, where we would share meals together, whether it's something like today or in our homes. And what about a people of prayer? That we, as we gather, we would be a people of prayer. For as we become that people, as we grow in becoming that people, our hearts will be stirred to praise our God we will bear witness to the lordship of Jesus in the world around us and they will begin to recognize it and even give favor, as odd as that may seem in a day like ours. And God in his mercy would draw others to himself through us. And there's nothing better. Where is God stirring you and challenging you? Where might you lean in to take that next step. If you're not sure, but you want to talk about it, use the Live It Shared card. Give us your information. We'll have conversations with you. This is the community that we're looking to forge. It's good. It's beautiful. It's powerful. The fire of God's spirit burns in the everyday rhythms of his people in community together. Let me pray for us. Jesus, stir in us and show us the way to be a people that lives for our good and your glory. We were not made to do this alone. You continue to look all over the earth and see the aloneness of people, even your people, and you say, that's not good. You have made us to be interdependent on each other. So teach us the way, Father. And would you, by the power of your spirit, transform us into a community that is a recipient, a receptacle of your fire, where the fire of your spirit burns in the daily rhythms of our life together. Teach us your ways, Lord Jesus, for we are yours. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.
This isn't something that can be forced or fabricated. It's something that happens as God's spirit ignites us. And scripture teaches us that his spirit comes alive in us when we give ourselves to him in humble repentance. If you have never taken that step of humble repentance to confess your sin and receive his grace and forgiveness and to give yourself to him today and tomorrow and to walk with him, you can do that today. We've got a prayer team who's gonna be right up here. They'd love to pray with you about that. You come up and just say, I want Jesus in my life. We're gonna take it from there, all right? If there's any other reason we can pray for you, we'd love to have the chance to do that also. And as you walk out into this world, remember you are not an island unto yourself. If you have Christ and his spirit in you, you are a part of something. And it's an earthy th- something. Like it is. Like it's not gonna be perfect. We're gonna bump into each other. We're gonna disappoint each other. We're gonna hurt each other. But oh, what a perfect place to learn forgiveness. What a beautiful place to learn grace. Let's learn that together. And as such, bear witness to the lordship of Jesus in the world in which we live. And that's how we walk with beautiful feet. May your feet be beautiful as you walk with him this week. Thanks for being here. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.